Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Saladcast. Hi Glenn, how you doing? I'm alright Ollie, how are you mate? I'm good thanks mate, I'm good. First day back at work, so a bit of a struggle getting up this morning. Yeah. But um, all's good, plenty for us to talk about. So the club are um, giving us plenty of content for this podcast. So we've got mm. three games to discuss. So the Boxing Day defeat, the Rochdale defeat and the Fleetwood defeat so that's gonna be exciting talking about yeah. um similar themes um and yeah thank god it's january transfer window and um the club seem to be making a bit of a pig's ear of things at the moment so we've got plenty <laughs> to discuss um when we get to salad news so salad news is not empty this week so it makes a nice change no, no i think it's funny because we've been away quite a while haven't we you know we decided to let the three christmas games be played and, and have a little break over christmas and i don't think we thought it was going to be quite as <laughs> manic and hectic uh, on and off the field as it was so uh you're right, certainly lots to talk about, and we've, we've been at all the games, haven't we, between ourselves, so we've seen pretty much everything, so um, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting interesting Christmas period, not a great one, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll delve into it now, I reckon, Ollie. Lynch shoots, there it is, the open goal, Tommy Lynch has scored for Shrewsbury. <laughs> Through the wall, past Barry Richardson. So, Boxing Day, um, as we said, I, I decided not to attend this game. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, we lost. Um, sounds like we yep. were um, unfortunate to lose. But um, So, I didn't go to this game, so I'll um, kind of be great to get your kind of insight on this game, Glyn. But in terms of, I guess, the first thing to start was with the team selection. So, it was, it was unchanged from Rovers, which we thought was quite sensible. Obviously, um, we still had a few players suspended. Um, but obviously, we did well against Rovers, so... Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. It'd be interesting to know. I've never been to Bolt, and I was. That's one of the things a bit of a gutted. I do like to go to all the different grounds, and I do kind of track the ninety-two um, where I'm up to and stuff. So yeah. So what was your what was your thoughts on the the stadium, the day, the number of fans, and what was about the performance? Yeah, I mean, it, obviously everyone was uh, aware of what the weather was like on Boxing Day around Shrewsbury, and it was the same up north. It was pretty goddamn cold, to be honest with you. So uh, we set off, got up the game. I took a, I took a car full of lads up. I, I think I should just say this about the car full of lads that I took in that, you know, once upon a time back in the day, we'd have stopped at Witchett Services and all got a cans, cans of beer apart from the driver. And this time we stopped at Witchett Services and everyone got a Starbucks. So I think it shows you how my uh, social group has aged, Ollie, so that they've now got coffees instead of beers. But yeah, it's... it's lattes a, and lattes and ca- lattes and um, croissants yeah, rather than... Yeah, I was like, what's going on? Lads, it's supposed to be lads, 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 this, but there we go. But um, we got up there a good time anyway, so that, that was good fun. But um, yeah, it, it's a great looking stage. You do you do arrive there and it looks like a proper you know ex Premiership stadium and it is quite an imposing quite an imposing ground when you get right up to it and uh, it was good actually it was so cold we couldn't be bothered to walk to a local pub so we went in straight to the to the concourses and had a few beers under there served by probably the slowest person on a till I've ever come across it was comically bad but there we go um, and that was good it was quite warm under the concourses everyone huddled under there but as soon as we went out into the into the stadium we must have been in like the wind tunnel part of the stadium because the wind was whipping through where Shrewsbury fans were sitting and it was absolutely freezing but there we go so I was already a bit miserable. You know me, miserable and negative. Interesting stat about this stadium. I mean, they just remembered this. Do you know? You know. Um, um, obviously, the stadium's quite elaborate, isn't it, in its design? Yes. And I remember when Sam Allardyce was there, he was whinging about the the stadium in a sense. And do you know how much? Do you, how much do you reckon it costs to make the stadium look like it does, rather than being bog standard? Uh, I don't know. Twenty million quid, something like that. 10 million, yeah. Yeah, 10 million extra to make it look like it isn't. Sam was bemoaning that saying he could have got a striker for that or something. He could have, he could have signed more, four more JJ Ococcias for that sort of money. He could have done. <laughs> he could have done. There we go. I remember Bolton in the Premiership. It was they were a fun team to watch. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, started off pretty cold. But um, yeah, I almost got pelted by a ball when they were doing the warm up as we walked in. So standard pre match warm up routine, firing them into the crowd as usual. So uh, yeah, so we started off and from from pretty much the off, Bolton looks pretty comfortable. Um, 
obviously put us under a bit of pressure um, and they forced sort of four corners in the first few minutes really sort of first five minutes and Lutweiler had to make two pretty smart saves back to back from one corner um, and then by the time I think they got to the fourth fourth corner we, we'd given it away we, we conceded obviously because we always do don't we Ollie um, so yeah I, I mean you've probably seen the highlights Lutweiler come come out should have should have caught it really wasn't even under that much pressure went to punch it and sort of got his sort of knuckles on it um, didn't really deviate for the flight of the ball it hit Wheater in the chest and then he just popped it onto the post and then came back to him luckily and he, he sort of smashed it home so one great from Jason that to be honest with you and it's, it's a bit annoying because he makes a brilliant save one minute and then three or four minutes later makes a mistake like that and you kind of think one step forward two steps back with him sometimes so it was a, it was a bit unfortunate for him to start the game like that I didn't, what did you make of the goal from the highlights? Yeah it was it was unfortunate wasn't it mm. um, the, um, the the first goal was yeah it was it was poor Poor, poor defending, really, wasn't it? Overall, yeah, and yeah. both the goals were like that. Really, it was you know we kind of we gifted at them rather than they kind of deserved it. And obviously, set pieces always like that, isn't it? You should yeah. really, you should really clear clear the ball. But it's obviously one of our major problems we've had this season. Achilles heel. It's one of our. It is one of our Achilles heel because, as I say, the second goal. You know, it wasn't much longer longer later. I'm just going to look what minute it was now. They, they scored twenty four twenty eight. So they were pretty much back to back these goals and. Um, yeah, it was just a very simple ball to the back post. They peeled off completely free header at the back post, straight into the middle. Yeah, I, I watched the highlights on this one, and um, I watched this one back a few times because I was like, "How did he get clear?" And Grimmer had a man, but I don't know what Grimmer was doing. Mm. But he had two men, and not only was it two men, it was bloody Weeter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, if it was um, Jay Spearing or some um, short ass, you'd say fair enough, let him be free. But not your, um, not your, um, yeah, ex Premier League central defender. Mm. And he won the first header and still had enough space. You know, no one got tight to him after he scored the goal because it obviously pinged around in the box a little bit. And I saw Lewis Cox, the, the Shropshire Star reporter, said that we lost the first, second, and third ball, which is pretty true to be honest with you. And then he, <laughs> he managed to find enough space, completely unmarked, to rifle home the goal anyway. So it, it was pretty, pretty poor. And, and that one wasn't about, you know, it was about losing the first header, but it was also about desire and and wanting to, you know, we've seen Town put their body on the line in a few games recently, haven't we, where they've really thrown themselves into it but didn't start off like that unfortunately and, and they say if you're going to give two goals away that meekly you know you're going to make it's, it's all it would have been almost impossible to come back in that game against Bolton away and I know they had a spirited return in the second half but um yeah they, they Bolton for me Bolton really never got out of first or second gear you know they, they could have gone through the gears and, and absolutely railed us and as soon as they were 2-0 up I think it was Boxing Day I think <laughs> there was probably a little bit of energy conservation already coming into their heads then and they really just sort of sat off us a little bit and hit us on the break quite dangerously a lot and um the Oh, what's his name? The striker up front, uh, who's got the brother that used to play. I've forgotten now. Ami Obi. He looked dangerous every time he had the ball. He never really, he didn't really test the keeper too much. But you know, he always with the pace had us worried. So, yeah, I don't think they they got out of first first gear. And and at half time <clears throat> came around. You know, everyone was a bit miffed about it. And Evans Blake had obviously started. Um, as we talked about, him having a good game at Bristol Rovers, and we couldn't really complain. He was about as ineffective as he'd been for other games this season in this one, and was rightly subbed off pretty much straight away. And and Waring came on. Um, and that, you know, whether that was because he got tired and he'd, he'd been playing a bit more in the game, you know, it's quite a short break, isn't it, between the games now? So maybe yeah. we know his fitness is maybe a concern. So I don't think any of the fans were too concerned about him getting subbed off, to be honest with you. But Waring, when he came on, was was better. Um, he, he gave us more of a target in the way that um, Ebanks Blake did against Bristol Rovers and held the ball up a little bit more and enabled us to get a bit more of an attacking threat going forward as Bolton sort of tried to step off a bit more. But... Um, Yes, that was good. We, we had a few missed chances in the second half before we scored. I think there was a grimmer one where um, he, he, cro- he got in really well down the right and crossed it. And I still don't know how Waring missed. Again, I think it was on the highlights, but it was just a sort of looked like a miss kick to me, or it was very much just behind him. But that should have been two one there. Um, 
and then eventually we got to the goal, which was which was which was pretty good. Junior Brown was pretty good in the game, in all in all. Um, and we at the bar didn't we? I think it was Dodds had the shot, and Grimmer again recycled it, popped it to the back post, and and Brown did his usual thing. He's pretty good at heading the ball in, and got into the right place, got up high, and headed it in. So it gave us a bit of hope then, and from pretty pretty being pretty unexpected, but decent finish, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was a decent finish, and um, I was watching the the highlights, and I was going to, but it looked like even though. They did sit back a bit. They still had quite a bit of possession, didn't they? Yeah, quite they did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they knocked it around at the back quite a lot, Ollie, and that's what I mean. They 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 were only in first or second gear. They weren't pushing for third, fourth goals. They were pretty sure they could see it out, and you know, almost like a bit of defensive practice for them. So, and and we tried, you know, in in the in manfully in that effort. And you can't complain about the second half. I think one of the other things that happened after the goal, obviously, is we'll talk about this issue that happened at the end, which has got a lot of town fans talking about the scandalous decision that happened, but. I think we ought to just talk about how down the other end Smith looked like he gave a penalty away. I think it was for handball, and the Bolton fans were really loud and really raging at the referee not giving them a penalty. And I think that for me, having been there on the day, was one of the reasons that played into the referee not giving us our penalty at the end because you've seen the highlights, haven't you, Wally? About what happened? I'm yeah. not sure if you saw the extended highlights, but basically we we were pushing on then at two one. We had a couple of half chances, and then at, you know near the end, um, again it was Dodds had the shot and it flew into a player's hand in the box, and the linesman was flagging for a penalty, clear penalty. Everyone was celebrating, like all the town fans up and down around me were celebrating, we knew it was a penalty, and then suddenly you start to look at the referee, and then you suddenly see Bolton breaking away with the ball, and everyone's like, what's going on here? And for, for me, personally, felt a little bit like the referee was evening it up for not giving Bolton the penalty, um, and also that home team advantage, you know, do you really want to aggravate 16,000 Bolton fans in, in a home game? So... That wasn't good, and it was a stonewall penalty, wasn't it, Ollie? In all seriousness, you, you know, I, I, the fact that the linesman was flagging—it's it's, it's ran, random for a referee to overrule it, isn't it? Yeah, it was, um, it was interesting. The one of—did you see the one of Wheater's face? Um, the, <laughs> I saw half players' faces. They were all like stamping the ground and like giving it massive arms out to the referee, but I didn't see Wheater's face. No. Yeah, Wheater pulled a face of like, oh no, damn it, oh <laughs> god, no, that's that's a penalty. But it's interesting actually that um, obviously you know as we do when the podcast and also. We're, Quite obviously, keen Salat fans, and that mm. hadn't come across once that they. It's the first time I've heard that um, they sh- they should have had a penalty. So it just shows you, doesn't it, how um, yeah. you know, Purse never mentioned it. None of the fans, apart from yourself, had mentioned it. It just kind of shows sometimes we are a little bit blue and amber, um, tinted glasses, and yeah, yeah. Purse is right. Over the course of the last few games, we have had some harsh decisions, um, but. Yeah, it's interesting that um, that that never came across to me. No, was, they should have had a penalty. It was very noticeable. The, the Bolton fans were really loud about it, and as I say, it, it seemed like they were concerned it was a Stonewall penalty the same way we were. So, yeah, these things do happen sometimes. But either way, you take a you take a decision in isolation. It was guff because the linesman's given a given a penalty, and he's got an incredibly good view of it. Um, and the line, and if you look where the referee's positioning is during that whole whole move, he, he hasn't got a good view of it. He, there's no way the referee can make a clear decision on whether that's a penalty or not. And that's that's the frustration for me. And I know that later on, he obviously phoned up Paul Hurst didn't he to say he made a mistake um, to, to sort of go, go over I oh, know sorry that was Rochdale wasn't it where he phoned the ref- we've had so many mistakes recently haven't we about the I don't referees? know actually I don't know which one it was I can't yeah. remember I think it might have been the Bolton one to say you know I've, I think I've, it was the Bolton yeah, one yeah I've done you there so at least that's nice to hear but it doesn't help Paul Hurst does it a point would have been fantastic yeah. at Bolton considering the way they played second half and yeah credit credit to them for the second half but for me you know, if you're going to be giving away two early goals pretty meekly, as I said, then your second half fight back's got to be something epic to get a point. So yeah. there we go. All in all, we didn't we didn't quite get back into it. Um, and and there we go. I, I can give him a top three if you want, Ollie, and we'll, we'll yeah. probably move on to the next game because it's been a while since this one. But um, yeah, I, I went for Brown for me for me player of the match. I say he ran all day. He got his goal. Second half, he was pretty good actually. He was one of the front foot players. Um, some good crosses. A bit better than he'd been in some of the more recent games. Um, second, I went for Grimmer again. He provided a bit of a foil down the other 
side from from Brown and could cross for the goal and should have probably had another assist for Waring. And then for me, I gave Waring number three just because he offered more when he came on and actually was part of the reason we got back into the game. So, yeah, for me, they were my top three. Um, and then we drove home from Bolton and it was Boxing Day and I had some more turkey. So <laughs> that was my day in Bolton. And, and yeah, there we go. I think that about covers that one because it's been a while and probably people know what's happening in that game now. So, yeah, we'll move on to you and your trip to Rochdale, Ollie. Yep, so um, Friday... Um... I was working, I had to work, I don't know why, I won't go people, bore people the details, I don't see why Sonal Procurement needs to work um, <laughs> between Christmas and New Year, all my suppliers were closed, and everyone else was closed, but oh well, um, so I um, yeah set off, and I kept keeping an eye on the traffic, and at one point, um, it looked like the other six was going to take three and a half hours, Yeah. Um, luckily it didn't take that long in the end, it um, did die down a bit, but yeah, got to the ground, um, had a beer. It's, you know, it's quite nice having a, a someone to have a drink near the ground. Oh, um, and then, um, yeah, I actually um, watched the game with Aid Plymouth. So that was quite cool to watch the game with someone who oh, nice. I don't often chat to. Um, classic kind of internet in terms of and you know supporters parliament and stuff never really never sat at a game with aid so that was interesting to watch a game with him he's so a legend cool. yeah yeah yeah. it was yeah. really good nice to get to know him a bit better so that was cool and it's also the fun the fun things isn't it about being in shoes we found a member going to certain games and then you just sit to different people and yeah it's quite nice to make yeah. friends and stuff so that was pretty cool so yeah so rochdale eh so <laughs> um four minutes in um there's a bit of a theme coming on here four minutes in um basically messy in midfield um, they counter-attack just too fast for us and he just passes the ball into the back of the net. Uh, and you're like, <laughs> fantastic, just spent like, you know, two, two and a half hours to get here um, and four minutes in, we're down. Um, then we had, we in the first half, we did have quite a few chances. Mm. Um, Wally had two chances and fluffed them both. Um, so that was frustrating. And then, um, and then they had another goal, which was, shouldn't have been given. Um, so it shouldn't be given for two reasons. One, I don't know if you've seen it, Glenn. Um, the, the, the opposition player, the Rochdale player, looks like he kicks the ball out of, of Luke Van's yep. hands. Yeah. So that's the first thing that's wrong. And the second bit, the guy who headed it in to the back of the net was offside. And he wasn't just like a bit offside. He was behind Luke Viler. So you need two players, yeah. obviously, yep. to be onside. And there was not only one, there was no one. No, it's scandalous. It's scandalous. So, I've seen it, seen it on the highlights. For me, that's worse than the Bolton decision. It's just yeah. so comically bad that, you know, a referee can make a decision on a, on a penalty and overall an alignment is still pretty rare and shouldn't have done it. But that goal, how did that goal stand? I, can, I cannot believe that that goal was given. What the hell was the referee thinking? You know, offside. And also, look, while well, it doesn't catch a ball very often and he actually no. caught one he got it kicked out of his hands. Maybe he should punch it more often. <laughs> but you know when, you know when you, like, I'm, I would say I'm pretty fair on refs and stuff. And sometimes I, you know, hear people at the ground and I disagree with them saying, no, no, I think that was a foul or a yellow card or whatever. Um, so I feel I'm fairly fair. But you know when you just get the sense that the, the referee is against you? So 50-50 challenges, every single one of them went to Rochdale. Yep. Like, <clears throat> there was fouls on us, fouls on Tony, pulling shirts, really aggressive manhandling because their central defenders were two tall, big lads nothing carry on nothing didn't see anything and almost you know when the referee is mm. quite animated and it kind of just winds you up as a fan he was a bit like that and then yeah he just he just he was very poor a very poor referee and unfortunately we get that in league two don't you, you get it more in league sorry you get it more in league two you do yeah. get it in league one um 
Well, it adds to my conspiracy theory, Ollie, that our referees are being slightly punitive and harsh on us, and maybe not so much the, the terrible two errors that we had in those games, but you know, recently about the flow of the game and the decisions we do or don't get is a, a lot based on our previous disciplinary record that's still in their minds because a lot of these referees have refed us earlier this game, earlier this season, and they've given us numerous yellow cards in games and given us red cards, and so they're coming again thinking, well. Dirty Shrewsbury, isn't it? Or ill-disciplined Shrewsbury. And things like that stay in referees' minds. They must do, mustn't they? I know that they're supposed to ref every game independently, but they, they start to build up a picture of teams as the season goes on. So there could be that part of it as well. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I I don't want to have a bit of a sob story, but it <laughs> does feel like there is that, that mentality in the referees' heads. Yeah. Um, and often these decisions seem to be in the first half as well. And, and one thing I was going to mention when you were talking about the Bolton game, and um, you know Bolton, after 28 minutes... We were down, um, down two nil, mm. um, and guess what? Twenty eight minutes again at Rochdale, and we're down two nil again. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's not if great. You're gonna be t- if you're going to be two nil um, down after after before even half an hour has gone. You've got no chance, have you? Yeah, yeah, and we both and we've seen ten to score our goals in the last five minutes and really give it a good go. And um, my brother said the same thing about the Fleetwood game actually. Um, that you know, in that game again, we threw the kitchen sink at him in the last five minutes. But it's only why you they only started playing in the last five minutes. It's quite strange in these three games over Christmas, and we'll probably talk about the whole Christmas period in the round in a minute. But yeah, all three games you could say that our best period of the games came in the last five minutes. I suppose it's because you're chasing it. Yeah, but then something I was I was thinking of when you were doing when you were discussing um, the Bolton game, I was just had a, had a quick thought. Are we almost giving ourselves too much optimism by our second half performances? <laughs> yeah, we are. You know, because you know, where if you're um, you know if you're in the middle of the if you're the manager or the coach or the captain or you know experienced pro and you're winning two 0 against Shrewsbury, and let's be honest, they're pretty <laughs> aren't they, lads? Um, <laughs> so why we're winning two 0 after half an hour? Let's slow the game down. Let's take our time, um, and let's not bother trying to get the third goal. Because let's be honest, let's, we still get our win bonus. Um, Johnny up front's got his goals, goals. He's got his goal bonus, so we're yeah. all happy. We don't. No point rushing it. You know, we've got a game coming up on the Friday. We've got a game on New Year's. Um, you know, over another game near, near New Year. Why put in extra effort? So I think we're yeah. almost our second half performances have given us optimism, mm. but we're only getting this optimism because we're so poor in the first half. Yeah, I think you're right. I think particularly over this Christmas period where Fleetwood, Rochdale, and Bolton are all up the top of the league fighting for promotion, aren't they? Really? And so yeah, there is there is that element that once the job's done at two goals to nil against Shrewsbury, or, or even you know one nil in Fleetwood's case because they played it so much and they got they've got on them, but they can just take their foot off the gas a little bit and, and play it. And I, I'd agree with you on in all three circumstances. I didn't go to Rochdale, so I don't really know, but I know for Bolton. And Fleetwood, they'd got our number. They they were not worried about us getting back in that game. Yeah, we could have got a penalty in the last minute, but that would have been foolish on their behalf. But at no point did we do we really ever deserve to win these games. We might nick a point every now and again in that circumstance, but you're never going to win a game playing like that. No, and yeah, the Rochdale game was an interesting one because Rochdale their their attendance was three thousand two hundred. Yeah, so kind of just jumping ahead to the Fleetwood game, they brought no fans at all. About, <laughs> they probably turned up on one minibus, and we had a, was, attendance was over five thousand. So we are a bigger club than Rochdale in terms of our home fans. Yeah, but and looking at their team um, and the way they play, they got quite a few young lads. They've got quite high numbers on the back of their shirts. They've got quite a few young kids come in, and obviously, uh, you know, there is there is that youth coming through the side, but they're not. Impressive. I mm. wasn't impressed with them thinking, um, you know, when I last time, remember when Rochdale um, went out of League Two and they were playing beautiful passing football and they had Pittman up front. No, sorry, I'm thinking of a different team now, but Rochdale <laughs> were better. T- no, Rochdale were a decent side when they got out of League Two. They, they were, were yeah. Decent yeah. passing football. 
and you look at this team today. Look at the team on um, on that Friday, and you didn't think they were you didn't think they were like twice as good as Shrewsbury. They got twice as many points as Shrewsbury now, mm. and you didn't look at them and think they are fantastic. But they were organised. They were hard working. They were they pressed really hard and they pressed as a team and they were really directing their attacking. Yeah, and it just we'll, we'll talk talk on to like kind of maybe talk about like questioning the players a bit more maybe after the um, in the Fleetwood game so we can kind of bring it up quite a few things together. But um, it was just very very frustrating and um, yeah, it's just kind of the two sides of shooting them isn't there sloppy at the back. Poor mm. set pieces, but slopping defence. And it's not just the back four. You can't blame the back four and the goalkeeper or defend as a team. And also, just going forward, it's just, we're just not good enough. But we don't create that many chances. No. And we don't take the chances that we do have. Um, and we'll talk about this more in the Fleetwood game as well. But even the, the passes in the final ball is just, just not good enough. No. Um, but yeah, so Rochdale was... Looking forward to this game, I thought you never know we might have a chance to Rochdale. Uh, sorry, after after the Rovers game, I thought Bolton, you know, bit of a one-off. I wasn't there, could have drawn. I thought, oh, looking forward to this one. This should be a good one. There was quite a few Shrewsbury fans going, um, but unsurprisingly, the atmosphere was um, pretty poor after proceeding after four <laughs> minutes. And yeah, it was pretty cold and yeah, a miserable trip up to to Rochdale. I don't have very good experiences at Rochdale. Um, Last time I went there, it was snowing. It was the only game in League Two. Yeah, I remember that. Because they wanted to, really wanted to play. And um, um, Paul Simpson thought it was a good idea to play long ball football. <laughs> to, what, was that, what was that foreign striker we had who was like two foot tall? Um, Maggio? No, not Maggio. Um, he was like, he wasn't Egyptian, but he was, I can't think, I don't know where he was from. I can't think oh, Maritza? Yeah, that was it. Oh, Maritza. And we played long ball to him and Turkish. someone else up front. And it was like, Oh, yeah, so Rochdale, hopefully maybe third time lucky. We'll, um... That is the only one and only time we're ever going to mention Omar Ritz on this podcast. I, I think it might be, yeah. <laughs> good memory there, Glyn. Yeah, there you go. I, I, <laughs> it's easy to remember the bad players. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they leave you with such scarred memories, don't they? But um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's funny, Just I was re- re- thinking about what you just said there about you know, being organised, hard-working, direct, um, and pressing hard. And, and, you know, that any good result we've had this season, that's how we played. Do you not think? Yeah. And in the three games over Christmas, we have not played like that. We've been standoffish no. and, and too easy to beat and, and a bit more negative, like you know people were saying at the end of the Fleetwood game. And again, we'll come back to this, but a bit more like Mellon was playing and a bit more negative and a bit less you know forthright. And then when we played against Bristol Rovers, we were attacking, front foot, aggressive, passing was much more crisp. And and that's where that's what you need to do in League One. And we've just not done it regularly enough, and no. we probably don't have the players to do it. So yeah, that, I think that's a good summary of what Rochdale. As I say, I, I didn't actually watch the highlights of this or listen to it on radio because I was just. I was still cold from Bolton and I was enjoying my <laughs> Christmas. So I gave, I knew you were going to this one, so I'd leave it to you. But yeah, what were, you, what were your top three then, Ollie, from who, who was sort of stood out as the best players? Yeah, struggling for top threes again. So when for <laughs> a go-go, he was pretty good. He was um, box-to-box again. Um, Luke Viola, because he made a few key saves. He made a really good save um, to to keep us in the game. Well, um, to give us a standing chance in the first half. Yeah. Um, and then Matt Sadler, I think he's done really well since he's come back in the team. And um yeah, they, those guys, those names seem to be coming up consistently. They do, yeah. Top three because yeah. they seem to work hard, they seem to care, um, they seem to yeah do the right things, and they're just it's almost you're picking your top three. It's like who made the least amount of mistakes. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're my top three, and yeah, that gets us quite nicely onto a game that we both went to. So obviously you went to Bolton, I went to Rochdale, yeah. and we both had the joys. Of Fleetwood. Of- it- 
it, it's funny because obviously you know the Bolton and the, and the Rochdale games. You know we've just talked about how you know in essence we we gave a bit of a go in the last in the last game last parts of the game and on another day it could have gone a different way and you could say the same thing about a Fleetwood game. But for me, this was the worst result of the three over Christmas again. Just to start the new year and a new year, fresh beginnings and all that sort of thing. Start the new year with a home game. Let's get that monkey off our back. Let's get some more home wins and then just the fourth time I play Fleetwood and then beating us again. Oh, it just sucks the life out of you in 2017, yeah. doesn't it? Honestly, it was, it, you know, they got booed off. We'll come to that at the end. but And, and yeah. they rightly got booed off. And even it's Paul Hurst point, agreed. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Chicken, because I was going to mention it as well. I think it's a good way of introducing the half. But the fact that we booed them off at the first half because... It yeah. was, did you see my tweet I did on the Saladcast account? Uh, I probably did, but I, I saw a lot. Well, go on. You say what it was. So, yeah, I started to do um, half-time match ratings. Oh, yes, you did say, yeah. <laughs> So yeah. I gave um, Luke Violet 8... Smith four, Alab two, Lancashire three, Sadler four, Deegan three, Magogo <laughs> five, Wally five, Brown four, Dodds four, and Tony five. Jeez, and, uh, generous Ollie. To get yeah, to, and I, I think I always think of this in terms of football manager kind of ratings, you know. Yeah. And like to get a two and a three is and a, even a four is pretty um, hard. Yeah, work unusual. And, yeah. Yeah, and that's just how poor we were, and it's laughable. Uh, it was laughable. I mean, the defence was laughable, wasn't it, Ollie? You, you couldn't yeah. help but be, be laughing. Like, I remember chuckling at El Abs at one point. You know when, like, we'll come to some of the specifics of it, but the reason, I remember the bit I was laughing at is when Deegan got brushed off the ball by that powerhouse that is Bobby Grant. Honestly, oh, that, that was, was embarrassing. And they got in, and then look why they saved us again for, like, the fifth time in the game. And then it all sort of trickled out to El Abd, and instead of just whopping it clear and getting rid of it, he starts dallying around on it, and then Bobby Grant chases him down and almost nicks in and scores then. And I'm like... What the, what the hell are you thinking? And it was just it was it was funny. You can't. I was I was angry about it, but it was it's just funny that we're that bad. And there was a lot of people around me saying this is the one of the worst defenses we've ever put out consistently. But and El Abd coming back into the team, you know, we did all right, didn't we, against Bristol Rovers without him yeah. playing? Obviously, he came back for the he came back for this your game, didn't he? The one at Rochdale, and you know, all right, we weren't great at Bolton either, but that was Bolton. But he seems to have just completely unsettled the defence again. And, and they were how we only let one goal in in that game, Ollie, I'll never know. They were shambolic, absolutely shambolic. Yeah, it was really poor. I don't understand, like, I don't like playing, I don't know whether, I don't know if it's because I always played, I say my football career, you know, yeah. playing at school and playing for the away supporters and playing at football at uni and stuff. I always played fullback, And it always not winds me up when people put central defenders at fullback. Yes. Dom Smith cannot jockey. He's not fast enough. The reason... You have fullbacks, and why the best fullbacks in the world are not six foot five um, is because you need to be nimble, you need to be quick, and you need to be able to follow and track and jockey the um, the opposition. And um, um, Smith had no chance. They get a cross in, and then Elhab and Lancashire should be utterly ashamed of themselves as professional <laughs> defenders, professional footballers, because they didn't track him, and it was just. It was Sunday League stuff, and it wasn't just Sunday League. It was Sunday League when the team had gone out on the smash um, the night before. Yeah, they were. It was sluggish, and you know, I never. I hate it when people say "wake up," but that was the appropriate shout. Mm. They were atrocious, like absolutely and utterly atrocious. And um, oh, I, Hurst, Hurst must have Hurst must have gone mental at halftime. He went, he went mental at the end, didn't he? Kept him in for a long time. I mean, let's yeah. talk about Dom Smith. I don't think, you know, we, we made two changes with the team, didn't we? We brought Smith in um, for Grimmer because I think he had a slight injury and then Deegan came in for, 
for Black, I think it was, or I think Grimmer might be nil. I'm not sure why. Yeah, De- Deegan was in for Black, and then um, then Grimmer was injured, wasn't he? And then yes, Smith came in. But I'd rather have started Riley, as I kind of said. I'd rather see a, a natural fullback play in the fullback position. For me, it's a specialist position. Mm. You can't just, and I don't like how we've always like thrown Granderson there and yeah. thrown other people there um, into into right back. For me, it's a specialist position. Yeah, um, and I'd rather see Riley start. So I don't like I like Smith. I think he's done really well um, when he was yep. playing central defence. Yeah, and we even com- we even complimented Lancashire on the pod, and him and um, Smith did a good job. Yep, but they were so poor, both of them. And uh, you know, as bad as bad as Smith and Lancashire were, Elab just stands out, doesn't he? He, he is getting a really bad reputation with Shrewsbury Town fans, isn't he? He was heckled throughout most of the first half by a lot of people around me, and people just hate him. Basically, they just don't rate him. Like most people want us to get rid of him in the January transfer window. Not I, I can't say most people because I can't speak for the whole fan base. As someone pointed out to me the other day, but you know, a lot of people. I just judge it on the people we meet and the people we sit around and and you know the chants and chats you hear from people shouting out. And you do get the feeling that he is just singularly not wanted by a lot of people. And 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 when he puts in performances that are that bad, you do have to ask yourself, what is it really worth persevering with someone playing that bad? And he's the bloody captain. We've said this so many times. How are you supposed to inspirationally lead anyone when you're just playing this badly? And he doesn't... You watch him. We, I was watching him wandering around the pitch. He doesn't seem like he cares. And, and that's a really bad thing to say because people say, oh, wake up and all that sort of thing. But is he really that arsed about this situation at the moment? Is he a bit more like one of those players that there are in the squad, or I think there are in the squad, that think they're a bit better than this relegation battle and they're just not going to work hard enough to get out of it? I don't know. I don't know, to be honest with you, but seems like it sometimes. Yeah, I I always like to um, message Beeps Shropshire. Um, just kind of a bit of a habit I've got into now. <laughs> and as I said to Mark Elliott, I said, do the players care? Mm. And do they have any professional pride? And it was what um, it was, that's Paul Hurst mentioned that as well, didn't he? Yeah, he um, did when he first came in. As like, where's your pride, man? Like, like, there's two types of captain, isn't there? There's the there's the the Tony Adams leader communication kind of captain, isn't there? And then there's the kind of David Beckham lead by example kind of captain. Yeah. And El Hab's just what he's just. <laughs> he must be on decent money as well, and he's just. It's just oh, he just doesn't seem to care, and the players that do seem to care um, are the ones we keep mentioning, Sadler, Agogo, and stuff. But they can't carry the team. I tell, I'll tell you who would have enjoyed the, the defensive performance the most is the new guy that we signed because he will he, he should think he's he's going to be the best player at the club at this rate watching that performance. Um, and obviously we we had some sort of mess. Well, we didn't mess up to be fair. It seems like the EFL wouldn't allow us to pay the transfer fee on um, a bank holiday, which seems daft, doesn't it, Ollie? But there we go. So he couldn't play. But I I, prob- I reckon he would have definitely started on Saturday. They would I think he would have wanted to get him in and and start getting that defence built around him because it sounds like he really rates him and he's highly regarded in football circles. And we'll talk about him a bit more in a minute. But yeah. I don't. Think that I don't think one of our Abdul Lancashire would have played. He probably would have. Who do you think he would have dropped? Do you think Lancashire? Lancashire? Yeah, Yeah. I think he would have dropped Lancashire. Just I think that it's harder to drop a club captain and and not get abuse if it all goes wrong. So it's it's an easy route for a manager, isn't it? But there we go. So obviously we let that that goal in after nine minutes again, a really early goal that puts on the back foot, and then the crowd was so flat. Did you not? I honestly think that was one of the worst atmospheres I've been to at the New Meadow, and that's saying a lot. We've had some bad atmospheres, but people were just whether it was people catching up about Christmas, but just a, the general malaise of a year and a half of bad performances. It's so hard to get our crowd going. And I know the Block 19 manfully try, uh, particularly in the second half, got a few, you know, poor Hurst Barmy Army going, but people are just so gypped that they don't join in with it past Block 19. And fair enough, I guess, you know, people have been paying money for nothing for months now. Um, and it is, it's just, it's so, it was depressing to sit in there at points on Saturday. Yeah, they're just so negative, aren't they, the fans? <laughs> no, I um, don't. We'll <laughs> but no, it's it's dire. Um, I was chatting to some other Shrewsbury fans after the game um, as I was coming out and just saying 
like it's just like what am I doing? Like like it's 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 just I, w- I wanted to try and do I, I didn't have chance I was too busy with work today and I didn't want to have a look and I wanted to have a look at 2016 just how many games we actually won at home uh, maybe that's something we should have a look at Glenn because I want to do that as well yeah, yeah it's, it's a fair really show. it's really it's really poor and you know we should have all got a, a bloody medal for for sticking around <laughs> because we had 5,000 fans as we mentioned no Fleetwood fans at all there was a very small number of them and who turned up which just hundreds. makes it even worse hundreds. they're not they're like a not even a bloody conference team they're a like northern premier god knows what um, like ninth tier team or something like that they would bring 100 fans away I'm sure teams like Witchchurch and god knows Starbridge probably take as many fans as they do um, and, and we're, it's just absolutely shambolic and how many Shrewsbury Town fans turn up and how many of them turned up on um, against Fleetwood and decided I ain't going for a while it'd be really interesting to see what the tendencies are I saw a few I saw a few people put things like that on Blue and Amber actually saying, I think, you know, I, I've got a friend of mine who used to be the groundsman of the football club and he was back over for um, this match for Christmas and he, he lives out in Spain now, I think. Yeah, I'll follow him on Twitter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Andy. So, uh, you know, he used to help us do the fanzine back in the day before he ever started working at football club. He's, he's a great lad. Um, he's not a lad. He's an old man now, Andy. Um, <laughs> but the um, but I saw his, his comments after the game was like, well, I won't be rushing back here to watch that again for a while. And that's fair enough, isn't it? If you're a, if you're a floating fan at the moment, which are the ones that you need to take our attendances from sort of three, 4,000 up to 6,000, they're the ones we need to capture, and none of these home performances are capturing anyone's imagination. Occasionally, we'll throw a good game in and we'll nick a win, and everyone thinks we've turned a corner. But consistently, for a year and a half, we just do not play well at home. Um, and and yeah, there we go. We could have another ten minute conversation about corners yeah. and set pieces and how bad we are at the Molly. But let's just say we're still bad at corners and set pieces, uh, and move move on from that. Deegan, I think Deegan had his worst game for the club. I don't know about you, Ollie. Yeah, he, he normally is one of the standouts, doesn't he? As, as in in a bad performance, he normally we normally say oh, at least Deegan had a good game and he kept trying, but. Oh, his passing was rank and he really got bullied off the ball by Bobby Grant a couple of times and just seemed to have his positioning all over the shop. What that was to do with, I don't know. But yeah, he didn't he didn't play very well at all. But there was a lot of players, I thought, that were really getting grief. Um, Alab was one of them. Tony, and we'll talk about Tony then because me and you disagree on Tony, but Tony gets a lot of grief off fans. And I think Dodds had one of his games missing and people wised up to that. There was quite a lot of, bit of heckling for Dodds as well and sort of getting the game sort of thing. So... There we There's go. A lot, Look, of what... a lot of frustrated fans and I think it's quite right and it's probably worth just... We jump off around in tangents, and we know we're not. Yes, we're not pros for <laughs> uh, amateurs at this. But um, um, it's interesting. Hurt's comments. He was saying he understands the fans' frustration. Um, he said the second half we had a bit of a go, but it could only get better. So you know, Hurt has been honest. But then he also said that the players look nervy and edgy. And he didn't understand why. Like you know, they're playing at home. The fans, you know, our fans are not aggressive. We're not Millwall. You know, if they start putting a few passes together. We're very quickly to get about, get behind them. They just need uh, something, yeah. Yeah, and it was almost like back in the old days when he fit, when um, the end of the Mellon era, when you know it was just backward passes, sideways, lack of confidence, lack of urgency, and yeah, then the jeers start. Yeah, the jeers start, but and I, I just, oh, I just like kind of like <laughs> lost for words. It's like it's just we were just so poor going forward, and we had we had two shots on target in the whole game. Yeah, one awful. of them was from Warley from. I don't know, fifty yards or something like that, which was a pathetic attempt. <laughs> and but the the final ball is just so poor, and this kind of links a little bit to the Tony debate. But the final ball was just so poor, and yeah. it just felt like like it was almost like every every attack we did, you knew what we were going to do, didn't we? Get the ball, pass it wide, fall back, pass it to Wingo, try and cross the ball, blah blah blah. Like when we were attacking and when we were won games, it was 
intricate passing through the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, but the final ball was just so poor. Yeah, we, so in, the, poor. in the last 15, 20 minutes, when we completely dominated the game, we must have put like 40 crosses into the box. We must have put at least 40 crosses into the box. And pretty much one no, no headers. Like we didn't win one header that tested the keeper, did we? It was every time that pond at the back headed it away or the other big guy headed it away. And they just they just dominated Tony and the guys that were trying to get forward. And, and it was embarrassing. We might as well have tried some long range shots because the crosses were never going to get us anywhere. But there we go. I mean, we should just have a word for Lutweiler as, as much as we sort of criticised him in the other game. He, he kept us in the game a lot, didn't he, in this one? Yeah, because he did. They, he made three or four amazing saves. The one-on-one, there was the a really close range shot. Half, there was a really yeah. good cl- and close header, wasn't there? Yes. Yeah, he was brilliant, I thought. So, uh, you know, I'll come to Man of the Match. I gave him Man of the Match. We'll come to that in a minute. But um, there was that. And then, obviously, they went in at half-time, booed off, and, and Hurst obviously got into him, and they came out early. And I noticed that, because they'd obviously been sent out there to soak up a little bit of the ire of the fans, maybe. Um, and then not far into the half was it when Smith gave the penalty away and that was poor old Smith he had a nightmare there didn't he he completely missed a clearance sort of miskicked it and then tried to chase back and just completely missed the ball and just took the guy down it was a stonewall penalty all day um, and obviously it didn't get given did it so we actually got the luck we thought we might be getting some luck here and it might turn the corner but obviously not but um, what did you make of the, the, the decision there the other way around then so we actually got a penalty given and, against us and then got it rescinded which is a bit of the opposite thing that had happened in recent games what did you make of that one? Yeah, I thought the referee the referee was really good actually for League mm. One standard. Um, he the referee made a mistake at first because he never checked with his um, assistant. Um, Hurst in his post match said that um, this the assistant had flagged straight away, um, and he was clearly offside at the time. Um, I thought he was offside just the way. Well, he was offside. He just looked offside and he just yeah. felt offside. Um, but yeah, it was. And again, this comes back to not so much a massive criticism of Dom Smith, but he's not a fullback, and he's not. He's, you know, no. he's played his entire career in the central defence. I'm guessing there. Um, I'm guessing that, but I'm sure that's true. Mm. Um, and a fullback wouldn't have. I don't know. Fullback wouldn't have got in that position, or wouldn't have, wouldn't have made that challenge because you'd have learned from lessons of when he was when he was younger. Mm. He's, he's played right back a few times hasn't he for the first team yeah, maybe but, once or twice and he's never stood out that badly then but I think obviously it was just one of those things where he, he did and it the substitution was embarrassing wasn't it when he went off it was a bit of a like you've got the hook here for how bad you played and I felt I felt a bit bad for him to be honest with you and I want him to succeed I want him to do well but you're right if he's going to put performances in like that right back let's just hold off until the position comes available at centre back and give him a run with a confident centre back partner who can or who can bring him through because I don't I don't think any of the centre back power, power you know other people that we've got at centre back or maybe other than the new guy are right for him. They're not going to be able to bring him through the same way that Goldson had some sort of more confident, competent defenders to bring him through. So, yeah, we'll have to see how his career develops with the, with the defence as bad as they are. Yeah, how much, how much would you love to have Knight, Percival and Goldson back? Oh, man. I'd, 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 you know, Goldson's a bit of a one, isn't it? Because he was brilliant and he yeah. was going to play at a much higher level. But Knight Percival was the one. It just would have took money, I think. As much as Bradford's an attractive opportunity, he was here, he was settled... I you know I was still not saying any other way than we should have just pushed the barrier to keep him because he's a you say bring in League One players but we let this is an interesting thing I was thinking about the other day right Mellon said we were going to bring in League One ready players right but if you actually look at it we let more League One ready players go than we brought in because you could quite easily say that Grant and and um, Bobby Grant and um, Percival are playing League One every week and playing to a high level and yet we add them and let them go so it seems a bit random when you look at it like that doesn't it but oh well there we go yeah it's, it's, it is an odd one um, Knight Percival's class and Ian yeah it's no surprise that Bradford are at the right end of the, yep. the table yep. um, but yeah at least at least Fleetwood is now gone we <laughs> to play Fleetwood again well we won't uh, have to play them in League 2 next year will we so that's fine no yeah I, 
it was really it's really frustrating because we keep we keep ebbing and flowing in terms of our confidence but <laughs> yeah i don't know glenn if it's kind of like you know if we're halfway halfway or so through the season if you had to we'd like to put each other under pressure if you had to say now are we staying up or not what's your what do you think if he doesn't significantly improve the squad we'll definitely go down if he improves the squad significantly we'll stay up but it won't be by a margin it'll still be tight and I know that Hurst has done fantastic to get us in a position which was better than when he first came in um, and honestly the way we played God, how hell are we how are we only like the points we are off relegation it's funny because I'll go off on another tangent today I often talk about my boss who's the Oldham fan and um he was just as negative first day back at work today as I was about his team and the fact that they are in just as much of a bad situation as us. They can't score, they let goals in, they've got an injury crisis and the worst thing for them is, compared to us, is they have a transfer embargo. So they cannot strengthen their team and three of their good players that they actually got are going in January because they only had six-month loan contracts and they can't renew them. So yeah, they're in they're in big trouble. Barry, obviously, I think, are probably down as well. So you do look at it, it's probably you know one of two more places we've got to avoid. So you know it is doable, but... If we're going to persist with some of these players, it's not going to happen. But I'm going to—I I will hold my court until I've seen Paul Hurst's sort of new team, maybe for four or five games, and you'll be able to get a better judgment of it then, won't you? Yeah. What about no, you, Ollie? I think right now, I think we're going down. <laughs> um, but like you, like you said, um, it's not a fair judgment. No, it's not. Um, and you know, if he signs four more players, we have five new players. Add that to you know, a go-go and Luke Viola, some of our favourite players. Um, you know, then we've got a standing chance. And that's the thing that is so frustrating, and the thing that winds me up so much is the rest of the team, the league is rubbish. Mm, it's not great. It's not like it's not like we're watching it going bloody hell. That winger was good, or bloody hell, they had a few good players, or oh bloody hell, they'll play in the championship soon. They're just all hard-working grafters that um, that, that beat us every week. But when but when you're playing as bad as we are, I do also think that it makes teams come down to our level a little bit and they just do yeah. as much as they need to to get by. And then the next week, we've seen teams who have been smashing teams week in, week out, <clears throat> and then we've just lost like a couple of goals to them or one goal to them. But, you know, there are reasons for that. It's because we're used to playing defensive football and being negative, I guess. But, you know, the next week they'll go and play amazingly somewhere. So I think a lot of these teams we've seen that we would say, you know, the Boltons and the Rochdales, they didn't look amazing for the whole game. You know, I saw Fleetwood three times out of the four this year. I think they're a really tidy, neat little team. And, and you know, they're not brilliantly better than us, but they just, like you said about Rochdale, they've got the organisation, they've got the, the skill when they need it, they've got different types of midfielders. We just have cloggers, don't we, in the central midfield. They had one sort of run, one that had run through the back line, like Grant, they had a bit of a clogger. They had that other one that sort of hangs in between the lines. They've just got different craft, and you can never switch off against different types of players. You know what our central yeah. midfield is going to do every single week. They're going to shovel it forward, or they're going to send it backwards. They're not going to ever run at you. So, there we go. Anyway, let's. I think we'll just go over our top three for that. It was obviously yeah. not a great game. Um, I went for, as we said about Lutweiler, I said I'd given him man of the match. He, he saved us so many times in that game, and it could have been embarrassing. To, to have lost to Fleetwood 3 or 4 nil would have just been... Oh God, people have been slitting their wrists, wouldn't they? But there we go. I gave Brown second place again, like similar at Bolton. I thought he kept running and he kept working hard. And a lot of people think he's very limited, but again, he's limited in certain respects, but he's less limited than most of the rest of them. So fair play to him. Um, And I gave, like you said before, Sadler. I think he's been impressive since he came back in, you know, he didn't do too much wrong at the back. You know, you couldn't really blame him for the goal too much, I don't think. So um, they were my top three. Yeah, I went um, Luke Viola, Sadler, or Kogo. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, pretty similar to you. I just thought, I thought, I didn't think really think Brown offered anything going forward. Um, and I think, I thought a Gogo put another shift in again. I feel a bit sorry for him. Well, right, we'll park a thing under this section and we'll go into the new section now. That will take Trevor Chalice and Shrewsbury back into the Football League. Okay, so Salop news. So Woo. new signing, 
<laughs> unfortunately um, couldn't play because the banks closed yep. so which is annoying um, the, if you'd signed a player on loan or a free transfer you could have played because you paid money you couldn't and um, anyway so that was frustrating it was um, the, the most Ollie the first question we've got to ask is how are you pronouncing his name uh, I'm just saying Toto <laughs> Toto is, isn't this, is it Toto Nasala something like that oh don't, Glenn don't you guys <laughs> if Stuart Dunn can't get it right and Hurst, um, yeah, shoots him down for saying, yeah, don't bother, mate. Um, you got no chance. I'm calling him Toto Nasada. I don't even care how different that is. I've decided that's his name yeah. for this podcast. So there we go. Yeah. But yeah, a bit frustrating. You're right. Um, it would have been good to have had him in. But I don't think you can blame Shrewsbury Town on that one. I think it sounds more like the FL and um, different rules about when you can and can't pay money. It's, the thing I found interesting is we actually paid some money. You know, I said we wouldn't yeah. spend a penny, didn't I? So once again, <laughs> my prediction's completely wrong as usual. Um, but yeah, twenty rumoured to be 25k I've, I've seen. And I'm not sure how true that is. But... That's a bit of a wedge for Shrewsbury Town. They don't normally pay that much money. No, it's interesting. You don't normally buy players do at this level. No. But yeah, it's interesting. And I do... Yeah, um, Paul Hurst's interview is always good. Good for sport. And they always do give you genuine insights. Yes, so, he's brilliant. Um, fair play to him for that. So yeah, he is really good. So he actually tells you stuff. So um, you could tell he was thinking on his feet and he goes, um, I just want to make a point. This is not a signing for League Two, which I thought was quite funny. A very cheeky, cheeky Yorkshire smile. Um, and then he also said he's highly, as you said earlier in the podcast, he's highly regarded in football. Yep. Um, and he sees him with him, he can't play in the championship. And a lot of fans kind of jumped on the horse back and didn't they? they saw some um, negative comments from um, Hartlepool fans and stuff but if you went onto our um, forum you'd find most everyone's pretty negative about players um, <laughs> and let's be honest you know well we'll come on to actually Tony in a bit but you know playing League One you're not going to be um, Sergio Ramos at central defence are you you're going to have you're going to have some flaws in your character but I like the idea of him being tall and pacey yeah um, and that's clearly what our back four is missing yeah i, I said to my mates on saturday i was saying that it, you know on the face of it if the first thing you said was we we're going to sign a, a center back who's taller than six foot you'd be like great that's exactly what we need because i am it might just at least stop us conceding 50 percent of the corners and free kicks that we have so that would be a massive benefit right now wouldn't it so yeah I, to me it sounds like he's he's got something to prove it, it's always difficult coming into a team that are bang out of confidence because we were going to expect a lot of him and i think hurst did say that to sort of say look let's just you know the, just temper what we want about him but he's going to come in and work his way into it and I think that's fair enough but it's always yeah. tif- difficult coming into a team when, when they're playing so bad but if we're going to bring in another five players and it ends up being six new lads in the starting line that does make it a little bit easier you just have to have the new lads gel then and you've sort of shipped out a lot of the, the sort of confidence that's gone so hopefully he hopefully does well um, and Hurst also talked about some other players leaving and some of them might be some surprises in his interview as well which I noticed about transfers so yeah that, that was quite an interesting comment wasn't it? Yeah I hope it's not Luke Viler and a go God, God no <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah hopefully it will be um, what he might say a few surprises but yeah hopefully it might be a few good riddance for a couple of players um, I don't I don't really give a, a damn if we don't keep the only players I'd really want to keep is Luke Viler mm. Dom Smith um, I do quite like Grimmer and Riley they seem like decent players I thought you like Dodds as well um, yeah Dodds is alright but I think he Dodds is one of those players that he needs other players around yeah. him and I think he I think he's, he's he feeds off other talent and I think he struggles. So I do like Dodds, but the rest of them can sort off. Um, yeah. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be, it's going to be a, as Paul Hurst said himself, it's going to be a long January month. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's um, I'll give I'll give the person who said this. My mate Jerry who sits by me said at half time we were sort of ruminating on things, and he said it's the first transfer window we've gone into for a long time, considering how much we rebuild. But it's the first transfer window we've gone into a long time where you could legitimately say we could do with a player in every position, and then you know, and then he's right. You know, we could we needed probably if we got rid of Housestead and replaced him with someone, it wouldn't really be a fuss. But you know, maybe the only position we, we're all right in is right back because we've got a bit of cover mm. there. But you know, it, in, in all seriousness, pretty much everywhere else, we we're fair game for. Hurst wants to bring in, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. I think Grimmer and Riley are both good players yeah. for the level. Yeah. Um, but everyone else, you wouldn't. You, yeah, everyone else, you you could easily be improved upon, and and it might not necessarily be on their their technical ability, um, just their attitude and their willingness to 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 want to play football. So, so yeah, so that was interesting, and um, kind of one thing as well. Just there was that, that comment, wasn't there, about Jay Simpson? Mm, yes. Before we come on to Tony, so. <laughs> And he was he was interesting, wasn't he? He was saying he was just on. He took his time to answer the question, um, and he was just saying he's on crazy money. Yeah, he said that when when they played Orient by they he meant Grimsby when he was at Grimsby, didn't he? When they played Orient in the season, he talked presumably to their manager about how much he was on, and was was saying that no no offense to the club of Shrewsbury size and on our budget, we just cannot afford it, which is fair enough. I, I like the fact that he answered direct questions, and and it was noticeable that all the interesting questions. No, that not it's a bit unfair. you done that, but a couple of the more interesting questions about transfers came at the end from I think it was from Lewis Cox, wasn't it? So yeah, it was. From he's Lewis, not afraid yeah. of asking a direct question and seeing what Hurst says, which, is, which seems like they've got quite a good sort of relationship if he's confident enough to ask that question. So yeah, I think we're going to get a lot more sort of interesting bits and pieces on transfers during January. So yeah, we'll see where we go. We've got the first one in um, and we'll see who's the first one out, won't we? So yeah, that was about it really. Oh, well, apart from Tony leaving, he's already gone obviously. Yeah, so so yeah, do you want to talk about um, Twitter? Um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a, um, a, um, oh, I had his name at the tip of my tongue, but what was that Labour guy who was in charge of all their PR when um, Blair was in power? I don't think Alistair Campbell. New, yeah, I'm I don't getting, think, I'm getting good uh, on your quizzes tonight. Ollie. You are. You're doing really well, mate. You're doing. You're saving me. I don't think Tony's got a future in PR, has <laughs> no, he? No, no. He could work for the football club then. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously, I mean, let's talk about it on the pitch first of all. For for me. I've been a bit disappointed with Tony. He's obviously got a bit of talent in there, hasn't he? Because he's gone for money to Newcastle and we've seen it in fits and spurts. And he has been playing in a bad team, which is the mitigation that you'll probably give to me now and that the quality and the, and the ball to him has been so poor that he's been feeding on scraps. Fair enough. I, I can take all that on board. But his all-round game for me wasn't wasn't enough. When he needed to hold the ball up, he never did it well enough. His attitude on the pitch stank in, in certain respects. The bookings, the, the sort of diving around, the rolling around. I just I didn't like to see it. I don't like that at my football club, personally. Um, and then, obviously, there was a little thing on Twitter on the night that before he left after the game on... Um, the game against Fleetwood, where he had a little bit of a pop back at the fans and seemed like he might have got baited into that. But again, a bit unnecessary, a bit not needed. Um, so I'm not overly bothered he's going. I, I think strikers are a position where you can come in and get a goal early doors and, and be off and running and actually help the whole team get some confidence. And I think that enough people have probably maybe run out of patience with Tony that it probably wasn't pers- worth persevering with him. But I've no, I've no doubt he'll go on and score goals for other clubs, maybe at League One level, or maybe even Championship one day. But... I think that's about maybe the limit of his ability at this stage of, stage of a game, from what we can judge. So I'm not overly fussed, but it seems to me like you might feel differently, Ollie. Yeah, I think I think he's a good player. I think the some of the theatrics and stuff, yeah, is a little bit frustrating. Mm. But I think that's born out of frustration um, with the lack of service he gets. Um, when he was at Barnsley, he scored bagfuls of goals. When he was getting loads of service, yeah, um, and quality service, we don't have wingers. Um, we don't have anyone. We have Brown can deliver a good ball into the box, um, but I was quite disappointed with Wally's crossing. But he is coming back from injury, so I don't think he was given the service. I think the fans are 
too easy to criticise um, our players. Um, and there's a lot of people. Not you, you're, you're given a, a structured and kind of you know you're explaining your view, but I think people almost just hate him for the fact that he didn't score loads of goals. And I don't know. I felt it was a bit harsh on him. Mm. I think. Yeah, and that's fair, fair enough. I mean, everyone's entitled to an opinion, and, and yeah. not, nothing to say me and you were right. We're not football managers, and I mean, for me, the fact that Paul Hurst in his post-match interview was less than complimentary about the lad, and you read between the lines, you heard the interview, didn't you? About he was asked, "Does he want to keep him?" And he was basically no, and he's not wanted to be here for a few weeks or months, whatever, whatever it was, and that was pretty bloody telling, if you ask me. Is so. that triggered by maybe something that happened in the in the? Um, we obviously been playing him. Yeah, that's the weird thing about that. Play, why would you not play Waring or would you not play Ebanks Blake um, ahead of them? Because at least they put a shift in. If he didn't want to, maybe he said maybe he said something when he got slated, or maybe he said some because he seems quick to respond. And um, who knows? Maybe, uh, it could have been a contractual thing. In all honesty, yeah. you get some person out on loan that are contracted to play. You know, that's the reason. That's how you take them. And you know, Newcastle yeah, might have said he'll be the last guy you have first if you don't start. You know, doing what we want with him. Whereas the the this, this sort of Stoke lad, we've already sent one back, so we've obviously maybe got a little bit of a different arrangement with them. So who knows? It could have been contractual, but. Um, there we go. He's gone anyway, and, and he, you know, he'll be remembered by some for a few goals. But um, he put on Twitter that he was top goal scorer. And he wasn't even top goal scorer, so he got yeah, that wrong. Wasn't no dogs, yeah. <laughs> bit, embar- bit embarrassing <laughs> for him, and he soon deleted that. But there we go. I think we'll move on from Tony. I, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm sure yeah. we'll see him back in League One or League Two, maybe one day playing against us, and he'll obviously score his customary goal. All the ex strikers that we let go score. So it's not the last we've seen of Ivan Tony. I'm sure of that. But um, no. there we go. That's about it for the transfer news, isn't it? And yeah, <laughs> then we're on to. What you've d- d- dubbed other news, or you could—I know—I wanted. I didn't know what to put. I was, other disasters. I was, yeah, I was kind of like writing the agenda um, a couple of days ago, and all this news from the club, self-club generated news. Mm. Let's call it that, maybe. I mean, before um, we start, Ollie, I should just say, like this again. If we have uh, sort of, you're right about the fact we've gone up and down between negative and positivity in the last few weeks. Generally, across the season, it's been quite negative, hasn't it? Because look where we are, and some of the things that have happened off the pitch as well, which have not been too good for the football club but it'd be hard to argue to a point to say that there's been and and fair enough getting relegated to the conference and lots of bad things happen but in terms of just a pure week of football you know three games lost and all this stuff that's happened on the pitch that's it's been a pretty bad week for the football club hasn't it in all seriousness because you know (laughs) this is a bit of a bit of a bad time so far for them to have dealt with over Christmas wasn't it when everyone is looking forward to spending some time with the family everyone's having to deal with all this crap that's going on yeah no I totally agree with that and (laughs) It doesn't. It doesn't help. Um, but yeah, should we go through these, <laughs> go these points? And so yeah. So the first one obviously was the Dublin thing, and it kind of just shows what um, a bunch of morons we have playing <laughs> for us that they started fighting each other um, away in Dublin. So you can't blame the manager for that. You can't blame the chairman. You can't blame the club secretary. Nope. You can't blame the groundsman. It's two morons having a few carlings and ended up punching each other um, and one of them came off with, was it 15 stitches or was that just a rumour I don't know apparently so yeah but he, he then played at Bolton he didn't have a bandage on his head and you couldn't yeah, see any damage but yeah. whether it's a rumour or not it was in the sun wasn't it for a start but the club did yeah. confirm an incident happened and it's dealt with internally so I, I've, I've no doubt like all the rest of the fans that something did happen there but the, we'll never get the full story of it until you know Seb writes a book <laughs> one day down the line yeah. which could happen it's nothing it's not really we can't really it's again we we do like to talk we prefer to spend half the time just talking about football, but um, yeah, unfortunately not. Yeah, unfortunately, it was, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? But I don't think it really matters, does it? And yeah. I think if that was been the only news story, we probably wouldn't even bother with the news section. I mean, but it's just one of many stories. Yeah, for me, the only thing it, it does talk, talk about again is about just makes me think about things that Mickey Mellon said about the right DNA. And you know, I've I've been on this earth thirty six years, Ollie, and not once have I ever got close to being in a fight. Not even when I've ever been really, really drunk, which has happened numerous times, obviously, like most people, I guess. Um, and you know, not. 
at no point has my character or my behaviour, and I'm not, you know, who am I? I'm not holier than thou, am I? But this could be said for lots of people in life, that it's easy to go through life without having a fight. And, you know, there's, there's got to be something about someone's makeup when they get drunk and want to start getting aggro. And I guess being in the football industry, it maybe is a bit more testosterone fueled environment, isn't it? And there's a bit of competition between players because you are competing for each other's job, essentially. So it's a different environment to anything I've ever worked in. But it just for me, it doesn't show anyone up in any good light to be getting involved with a ruck of, with someone you work with. Do you know what I mean? No. Essentially, you're, you're yeah, supposed to be mates, and you're supposed to, well, not mates, but you're supposed to work with them, and there's a degree of professionalism there that is obviously vastly missing from this squad. Yeah, no, and, and, and kind of, yeah, seeing things in, in bad light, it's kind of maybe worth talking about um, registering of players. <laughs> um, I, I, I find Brian's interview overall very kind of strange and uncomfortable um and i don't know how we tackle this Glenn. i don't know whether you want to take a lead or mm. i just kind of read the, the the quote i kind of put here yeah so i think we should first say is that a lot of the a lot of these comments have come a lot of things happened in the last two weeks didn't they there's there's the thing in dublin there's us getting fined for playing ineligible players against charlton which people might not might not know about but that's what happened the two stoke lads we got we got fined for playing them and they weren't registering time um there's the whole issue of, of um um brian doing a, a sort of interview on the back of some of these issues coming up and, and having a pop at the fans, that was what it was sort of seen to be, um, and some other issues that have come off the back of that as well. But um, yeah, it, it seems seems like uh, that it's not been the most well organised of <laughs> transfer departments, I suppose. I guess is, is the right way to put it. And you're, yeah, you're... Well, you missed one other thing as well, Glenn. You missed oh, the, the kit um, thing. The manager got yeah the kit, and also the manager got fired. Oh yes, I did. <laughs> I forgot about that as well. Yeah, and the kit so, thing yeah. maybe is wearing people up more than anything, and we should come to that in a minute. But so there's been all these yeah. things. So it, it, when he got back, Brian, there was obviously these three or four things hanging around, and the football club felt like it'd be a good idea to address these issues head on with through a <laughs> a well made video to the fans, which came across as a just a disaster. Really, it was yeah. sort of negative negative from him um it was maybe slightly confrontational it didn't offer any answers it didn't give any extra information um and it seemed to want to be just a way of drawing a line under things and unfortunately Town fans are smarter than they were in the 1990s or 1980s not not that we weren't smart then but it's 2016 people are able to read what they want into things there's more avenues for people to talk about these things and unfortunately it didn't go down very well did it ollie so the the, the sort of the, the comments were just some some of them are mad. I mean, you go through the first one. The first one you've looked at is that is the shambles with the sort of kit vote, um, which is obviously where they asked us to to come a, come away and and have a have a vote on the new kit, put five options yeah. forward. Fair enough. Yeah, and I, no I one's look, got from with that. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I was quite. I listened to Brian, and Brian said some people have have misconstrued the communication, <laughs> and then he said everyone has misconstrued the communication. Yep. What, well, if everyone's misconstrued the communication, maybe there's something wrong with the communication. Yeah, exactly. Um, why put the word decision in the statement um, and um, the and bring back the loggerhead campaigners, put it more eloquently than than I have there. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting to read if you if you want to have a look at that. So you can find it online. Yeah. So um, so obviously Kit C one, which was a sort of slightly different sort of pinstripe version of the blue and amber stripes, was sort of a, a bigger space for maybe a new sponsor that's coming in. That's the rumor I heard. But um, and that's why they picked it. Apparently, it's just a rumor. Don't blame me. I'm just a messenger. Um, but Kit A, which is seemingly that most people voted for, because there's been previous polls on sort of media, social media and and other places asking what kit did you vote for, and if you can construct that as an exit poll. Kit A would win hands down every time, so it, there seems that, like there's something going on there. And for me, it seems very shady. I don't. To me, it seems very weird that they won't let us look at the data. I mean, the football club have let me look at data before when they wanted help and they wanted to, you know, get someone to verify things. They won't let us anywhere near this data now. And obviously, bring back the loggerheads of of announced a campaign to make sure the try and get the football club to release this data. But 
it hasn't happened yet, so quite what's going on there. So they've just left themselves, regardless of the word and the statement, they've left themselves looking like they might be lying. And, you know, that, that's what it feels like, to be honest with you. And it probably isn't, you know, it might not be. It might just be that hardly anyone voted at all and it didn't take much to carry a vote. But it would just need some clarity. And that video didn't give clarity. That video caused more problems. Yeah, there was a, a really nice um, comment on, 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 on Blue and Amber from someone saying... There was eight minutes explaining why the club, the players and manager have got things wrong in the last month. And then two minutes of main complaining about negativity of the fans. It's as if like the two things might be connected. Well, they might. I thought it was a brilliant way yeah. of summarising. And, and the fans, you know, they we're talking about topics here that all have been created by the club. Mm. You know, the, 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 the shambles with the, the vote and also the timing of the vote. Christmas Eve, that's, a, that's, that's, that's the kind of time you, you know, it's a very political time to kind of bury bad news. 8.30 at um, night, wasn't it? Yeah, 8.30 Christmas Eve. <laughs> Brilliant. Like, fantastic time to kind of like, yeah, to, to, to kind of drop that one. Um, you know, we haven't created this, I say we as the fans, we haven't created the vote thing. We haven't created um, the toilet seat thing. We haven't created um, the, the club secretary not registering a player. Either he's registered or he's not. I don't see yeah. the grey area there. He's either in or he's out. Yeah, he said He said on the video, it's like, well, we were only 12 minutes late. I'm pretty sure, Brian, 12 minutes late is still late. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's not going to wash his face with the FA, is it? No, it's like, he's in or out. You know, simple. Um, and I just don't, I just don't, I just don't get it. And it's almost like Brian kind of said, you know, it's negativity, look forward, not look back, rally together. Well, if you want to rally together, don't come out. Don't mess up and make all these mistakes and then come out and say the fans are negative. Fans mm. are only talking about things that the club have created. Yeah, it's... Stop making mistakes, fix some of the issues. I mean, it's not the first time Brian's come out and said the fans are negative. They were saying the fans were negative about um, the selection box thing, but I'm on, I'm on the Facebook account a lot and I never saw anyone moan about that. No. So. Apart from Is me, Ollie, we did talk about this earlier on. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm just biting about everything because I'm maybe negative, was, and neg- maybe negative and miserable. Yeah. Maybe they should stop following your Twitter yeah, account. But that would be a good idea. What does it take? What does it take for the club to think the fans are negative? Is it a few posts on Facebook and then all of a sudden we're all negative? I don't know. There's, there's 5,000 fans went to the Fleetwood game. It's short-sighted though, Ollie, right? You know, the, the supporters parliament have been doing lots of work and stuff in the background and, and you know, the other week, the football club wanted their support on um, putting a statement out to support the 106 for the little development, right? Which is really important to the football club and can take us forward and is obviously something Roland wants. So the the, the, the sports department took a lot of grief to, to put that statement out because it felt like they were just, you know, kowtowing to the to the tail of the ch- to the tune of the chairman and the football club. And, you know, not all fans want that little development. So, you know, that, that was a, a tricky position to be in. And then weeks later, we, you know, the CEO's come out and calling fans negative. Yet the, the fan supporters liaison group that he is a part of, that has been set up by the chairman with the mandate from the chairman, are trying to be positive and, and give the right messages out there. And it just seems very two-faced to just to just suddenly come out and have that pop. And I, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not too impressed with Brian and the way he's spoken to fans. And, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how the next Porters Parliament meeting goes. I hope it's not, you know, bad. I don't want him to come and it be constructive and, and open. But he's going to have to accept that he's really knocked a few people off and not knock people off to a to a very large extent as well um and 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 a lot of it comes from little things that he said in the in the interview so you're talking about the toilet seats again right which i don't again other than myself on twitter i haven't really seen that many people talking about toilet seats in the last few weeks i mean a few few people have maybe but um he, he just came out with a glib statement of i can't believe i'm talking about toilet seats again well sorry mate as we've said a couple of times it's bloody important to people people are sick to death of the crap infrastructure we have at this club you know it might be better than some toilets in the back of the the, the stadium that we had when we were at the game meadow but 
it's it's not great. I've got kids I want to take the football. I can't take them to the meadow. And if they need the toilet, I'm not taking them to the, the horrible toilets like that. And also, there are women at the stadium. There are you know there are other people that you know don't want to sit on just a cold metal toilet seat. And you know to just be so glib and churlish about an issue that really bothers you know a lot of people that go to the game just shows that for me, Brian doesn't get it really at the moment, and he, he needs to figure it out because you know we we had a really constructive conversation with him about the issues that fans have got with this ground, and it seems to me like it's just stopped going anywhere unfortunately because that that video did not help <laughs> but but i don't know maybe it's a bit it's a bit of a controversial thing to say here but we've had a lot of ceos haven't we, or managers yeah. or whatever their job title is over the years and we seem to get the same messages from the clubs from the club yeah no definitely is it is it is it, is it, is it the ceo was brian really sharing what he thought is it what the chairman told him to say is it what the chairman wants him to say i mean i don't i don't know it's obviously just just obviously speculating there but it there just seems to be a consistency doesn't there with the we haven't talked about the badge, but you know that took a lot of effort to get oh, it was to, to have a historic badge. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of effort to get that, that to get that put in place. Um, and yeah. It just seems I don't want to. Is it almost the word contempt? Just I don't know. It's just it's a fair word to use, and and not everyone's yeah. going to agree with that. But you you're right to say that in some respects. But I mean, I can only offer my understanding of the way the football club works, having worked on the sports department for maybe you know not the sports department, but the under umbrella groups from moving to the new. I, I basically got involved with this more sort of how should we say communications element of the fan base with the football club from probably about a year before we moved from the grounds, right? So from trying to design after the designs had already been approved, trying to get as better deal for Shrewsbury fans as we could. But most things were already sorted. And I've, I've been doing that for since then, and obviously we've been through loads. Steve Wellbeloves, the Bickertons, the um, you know Matt, Matt who was there last time, even uh, Martin. So we had lots of CEOs. What tends to happen is they'll come in, they'll get a bit of a free reign for the six months or, or eight months, nine months, maybe even a year sometimes, and the chairman will sort of let them get on with things. And we tend to get stuff done. So in the first six months to a year with Matt, we got the new batch. With Brian, when he first came in, we got the, we got the concourses painted and we got the Memorial Garden done, which was difficult. And, and, and it's got been like... Super Blues way sorted. Yeah, exactly. But then subtly, like and, but slowly and surely, when a few things have been achieved... The, the, the club's drawbridge seems to come up and it becomes much more difficult to get things done and that's no impact on Brian that's just the way that it's been with all the CEOs we work with and unfortunately he's the latest in that role and he's sort of suffering from a similar sort of thing by the seams of it and lots of people you know will not agree with this and lots of people who know the football club will it just goes to the very top you've got a chairman that sits there every day and has a day-to-day management of the football club and that's so rare in football for that to happen um and brian tells us the sports department means he's completely in charge and all decisions there is but i am left feeling still that this football club is 100 <laughs> percent. every decision every decision goes to the chairman and if he doesn't like it or he doesn't want to do it it doesn't happen and as a ceo must make your job a pain in the ass to just know that you can't go on and get on with something. Yeah, <laughs> not sure what to say. Because yeah, it's it's um it seems it seems there is a, there's a big consistency and it's not the CEO. Mm. Either, either way, what Brian said in that video was poor though, as a, as a personal yeah. thing, and and we shouldn't really hammer him too much now. We know we've, we've had our say on it, and you know a lot of the issues were some maybe out of his department. But in all, in all seriousness, since he's been here, he's got some good things done. But he's also overseen a few you know bad things happening. You know we've recruited badly in the summer under him and. You know, we've had a few of these issues coming out now that we can't seem to sort. But then on the flip side, he's done some good things. So it's still 50-50 with me. We'll have to see how he goes. But like most CEOs, I'd really be here in 18 months' time. Pfft, not many make it longer than a couple of years, do they? So we'll have to see how it goes. But there we go. And and I think the last thing was just calling fans negative. It's just, it's ridiculous. to Just to, just to think that we are a negative bunch of fans at the moment, considering what's gone on for the last two years, it's just, it boggles my mind to, to you know, 
we can be positive about community community trusts and all the great work they're doing, but in reality, we pay our money to go watch football every week, don't we? That's all really anyone cares about. Have we got a good team on the pitch? Do we put some effort in? Do we represent my town that I love and my club that I love with any kind of passion and fight? And we haven't done it for so long. Why? Why? What? You know, I'm going to Swindon on Saturday, Ollie, and I'm going to try and be my most positive I can, but. I'm not going there with much hope. It's it's sad, really. Yeah, you, I'm yeah, I'm probably going to go to that game as well, and I'm kind of thinking why. But and I just kind of just want to make a comment since on the negative thing. I don't see why he said that. I didn't. I don't think it achieved anything. If he wanted to draw a line under it, mm. under the whole thing, talk about all the issues that he did, and then just say, right, we accept a few things have happened, but we want the fans to help and support the team. Then no one could argue with that. That's a fair comment. Yeah. That's, that's, that's you know, it's a, it's a leadership kind of statement you'd expect. Um, but in terms of negative, like, like I don't, you know, we haven't got banners. You don't get to see banners at Shrews, but you don't see graffiti, you know, bring back, we didn't see graffiti bring back the loggerheads, did we, at the time? It was comments online and people talking in pubs, but it's, I don't know, I just find it, no. I just find it a little bit bizarre that you've got um, the club are reacting to things. And fans are negative. It's easy to post stuff online and you have to always take comments online with a pinch of salt. Yeah. But if you want negative fans, go and go and sit in the Millwall away end. You know, you heard their fans after they um, lost to us at home. They were going mental. Um, Shrewsbury fans have a bit of a whinge, whinge online um, and moan about mm. stuff. And me and you are concluded there. We have a good whinge online. But we don't do anything. We don't, we don't do anything, you know, like aggressive no. or... I only, I, rem- yeah, I only remember once where we actually had a protest outside the back of the game meadow. Can't remember who that was to get rid of. It might have been Ratcliffe, but it was after maybe. Yeah, I think it was after the last game we got rid of this conference and everyone went round the back and protested outside the stadium and shouted, "Ratcliffe must go! Ratcliffe must go!" You might, I don't know where you were at that point in time. No. I remember being involved in that. It was, it was, it was quite good fun and it was deserved as well. Um, but yeah, you're right, completely right. And 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 uh, for me, there was now a culture at the football club. And again, I'm I, I'm saying some things here that are probably in it get me into trouble with things like the sports department but I'm only being honest now because I've, I've just lost my wick with it all there's a culture at the football club from a lot of senior members of staff there to be negative about our fans and a lot of that is in my view comes down from a man at the football club at the very head of it who's hypersensitive to criticism and the only way to deflect your own your own neuroses with criticism is to just call people overly negative and block them out and just say their, their opinion is invalid and I'm not really bothered and we tend to get that and and there we go. I'm, I've said my piece on it today. I, this probably this will be the last podcast I do, Ollie. They'll come and take me away <laughs> in the night at some point. But I don't know. It's it's uh, my own view, and, I, and and I'm not speaking on behalf of any fans. I don't want people to say that this is what all fans are feeling. I'm speaking on my own behalf because I'm gypped off about a lot of things at the moment, and I, I've done a lot for the football club and tried to help them. And I just I don't know. It sometimes you feel like you know in life you've got more time to spend doing other things, and I will just go and I will watch the football, and me and you will talk about it every week, Ollie, and. And that's that, and 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 that's how much they're knocking back fans who've been passionate. And I could name set certain fans that I know who've done loads over the years. They're just knocking them back and and killing their will to help them. And what will you be left with? You'll be left with a shell of a football club that has no connection to its fan base. And you know, other than people who chip money in, maybe or whatever other groups do, that's fine. But for me, it's just I'm I'm pretty low about the whole thing at the moment. And that's not just on the field. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> we need. I think the only way to turn this around, isn't it? And there's, we need some time. The club needs to sort out the vote thing and come back with some clarity on that and stop calling this negative, fix some of the issues. And the biggest thing, isn't it, is unfortunately it comes down to Paul Hurst mm. and the, the shambles he was left by uh, Mickey Mellon. That, yeah, the club can come out and they can fix some of this and they can stop some of the issues. Yep. And they need to take some leadership there. Um, and then we need to win some games, don't we? Because 
if if we have another poor half of the season, it's just it could know, turn. Like, the fans could be so negative, and they could turn on Hurst. He could easily get turned on the way people are feeling. That could happen. Yeah, I think he, he the January. Everyone's been very and Tuesday fans are very are pretty loyal. It's taken a while to um, you know. It took ages for for like who would believe? Like, no other. I don't think many other managers would have survived Chesterfield. Um, but yeah, when you, there's a lot of pressure on Hurst. A lot of the comments I'm hearing is Hurst has, has got a lot of um, he's got a lot of time. I think I think he'll be a manager next season. Whatever happens this season, I'm, I'm confident of that. I think he'll yeah, have a whole two season. Unless we're, I think unless we're okay, we're making we're preempting the future here. But if, if we're you know bottom half of League Two after spending more money and new signing new players, I think maybe he'd go. But I definitely he's definitely be our manager first day of next season. Um, and there's a lot of pressure on him now, so mm. fingers crossed he can win. Because you know we want nothing more on this pod to come on and talk about um, an outrageous volley from 30 yards, or you know some great football, or yeah, see us coming through the into the team, and a few more young Shrewsbury lads coming through, and yeah. that's what we want to see. And, and, off, and you're right, Ollie. And off the field, we want to talk about positive things. And if you go back yeah, to exactly. the podcast at the start of the season, right, and you listen, I mean, the audio. I crap. told you often. I said we've got to stop talking talk, about off the field stuff so much. Let's talk about the football dinner. I was saying yeah. we should. You know me. I'm paranoid with the length of the pods. I'm yeah. saying let's let's caught them out. Let's talk talk about off the field stuff. Yeah, I don't mind this being a long one because it's it's been. No, a exactly. Lots to go on. But, big, but, no, I totally but, agree. But the point is, I was trying to say that our old podcast it went from the start of the season until it started to turn, and and we were really, really positive about on and off the field things. And it's not like we want to be overly negative all the time. And which is, we've been personally accused of that by people that work at the football club, aren't we? And we'll say that now. And I, and I think that's harsh. But you know, who are we? We're just a couple of blokes trying to do a fan, a fan related thing for people to sort of listen to and maybe get some entertainment out of, right? You know, there's there's as much merit in this as anyone takes from it. And the football club seems to take a lot of merit from it and and seem overly bothered about this podcast and and I just wish that they would understand that this is just how two people feel and we're just maybe reflecting the general feeling of the rest of the fans around us at that point in time but we're not reflecting everybody's viewpoints um, and and in general what I think that everything we've said on this podcast for all these weeks I'd stand by there's nothing I've really said that's outrageous and not true so there we go I, I just thought I'd have another rant Ollie <laughs> get it off your system uh, and then we can if we can we can catch up on I think I'm going to go to the Swindon game so um, yeah we'll have to catch up and um yeah. Yes. Think, have another drink. To, yeah, have a beer. Um, I don't know. I might have a look at how to get there. I might look at the train or something. I do like train train away trips. But yeah, yeah we uh, we can go on to the predictions now. We won't do a, a bit of an intro to it. No. But last week we both got the score right. We we got Shrewsbury to lose, but we didn't get the result right. No, we got the result right. Sorry, Shrewsbury to lose, but we didn't get the score right. So it's yeah. eighteen points to you and sixteen points to me. So I'm still on your coattails now. So um, Swindon away. Uh, we're going to do the prediction for. Um, I'm going to go as I said, Ollie. I'm, I'm actually taking both my kids this weekend. So if you're around, you can see them. Um, we're going to go swimming in Swindon first. So that'd be nice. Uh, <laughs> everyone thinks I'm so cruel taking my kids to the football at the moment. Literally, every, I say, "Oh, I'm taking my kids to the football. It'd be good fun." And they just look at me and like, "What? <laughs> what are you, you have doing? to do? You have to, you have to do something else first. Well, exactly. We have to con them into it and give them lots of sweets to the match. I've said that before. So, uh, but yeah. Anyway, after Fleetwood and how I'm feeling about things, I'm, I'm feeling that we're probably going to go and lose. I'm, I think it might get worse before it gets better. I think. I think we'll lose 2-0 again, away from home. I went for that at Bolton, obviously it was pretty close. So I, I think we'll lose. And and it'd be a pretty disastrous place to lose, wouldn't it, Because they are that team that's sort of the one that are above the gap now from the relegation zone, and we don't want to let them get away from us, because otherwise the gap really widens. Yeah, and um, you know they haven't won since November. Oh, right, wow. Middle of November. Jesus. So... Oh, nailed, nailed, be... nailed on to lose, then, Ollie. Yeah, I'm going to be the optimist, so I'm going to think we're going to win. All right, OK. Yeah, I just think... 
I don't know. I don't know how we're going to win. <laughs> just think, <laughs> just, I'm going to be optimistic and go for a win. To I don't know. Maybe it's a bit of a, a gamble to try and take a lead in the prediction. It, it, so, d- it depends who we sign in the next few days. We're calling this on what day is it today? God, it's Christmas. I've lost track of days. Tuesday today, isn't it? So we're calling this yeah. on Tuesday night rather than a Sunday. So you've got four or five days from to sign someone good enough to win the game at Swindon. So yeah. keep your fingers crossed, Ollie. But yeah, I mean, fair enough. Be be predictive. Two one. Be bold. Going for two one win. Good man. Yeah, and you're going for. I'm going to go for a two 0 loss. Two 0 loss. Okay. Two negative. Two negative. Ollie. You're too neat. You are negative. <laughs> cool. Oh, okay. wow. the, there we go. Probably, yeah. That's so, unpacked a yeah. lot. Thanks for sticking with us, guys, to this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're still listening, you deserve a medal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can you say? <laughs> it's, it's, what, what, nothing else to say, is there? Yeah, I think well, from... we'll, we'll say that, obviously, um, we, we made this a bit longer because we were covering three games and all this stuff, so we'll probably try and get it back down below 45 minutes again next week, and we'll only yeah. have the one game to cover. Obviously, we're both there, so it should be quite an easy one, but we might have a lot more transfers to talk about. And then we've got some guests lined up for the next few weeks. I've got my brother coming on in a few weeks' time when we have our next home game, and I think we've got... Um, hopefully going to have the guy who runs the one of the Shoe Town blogs on as well the week after that and we yeah. don't know him do we Ollie so it'll be interesting to have someone we've never met before on because yep. obviously all our guests so far have been people yeah, we he know was so human. he was human he really wanted to come on didn't he he, he really <laughs> wanted to said... come on this podcast so you're lucky it's not two and a half hours long frankly so yeah there we go it's been it's been a Christmas to forget Ollie and let's leave it that's, that's the final comment I think and I will yeah, uh, and we'll, um... Yeah, go on. Let's see if let's see if there's another pod. We never know; we might get summoned or something. But um, yeah, <laughs> um, let's see what happens. But um, no, it's going to be an interesting few weeks on and off the pitch. Yeah. And um, yeah, let's hope we have some good news stories, some positive results, yeah. and um, yeah, some. Um, so yeah, let's hope, let's hope we win. Yeah. We could be out of the relegation zone on Saturday. It could be all positive. We keep and saying that, don't we? That would be good. Not no. We're rambling on anyway. here as well, Ollie. Anyway, let's cut it. Thank you for listening, guys. We shall see Cheers, you guys. next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye. <laughs>